strokes kill almost 130,000 Americans each year. Yeah, 925,000 have a stroke. Mm-hmm. About one in kill. eight actually die from it. Yeah, and that's at one the, out of time. every 20 deaths. Right, at the time they get the stroke. One in eight people who have a stroke will not survive it. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Jack. And Mary. And welcome back to the Forbidden Doctor podcast. This is podcast episode 149, Strokes, Prevention and Recovery. Yeah, today we're going to talk about some forbidden stuff that's been hidden from you for way too many decades. Yeah, it's it's treated as, a, obviously it's a crisis problem when it occurs. Sure. And when it's a crisis situation, you get crisis care. But what about before it's a crisis? And what about after the crisis has been handled? That's what we're going to talk about today. <clears throat> and, that's, that, and when we're looking for recovery from that, right? Mm-hmm. That's Because you don't find about. this inter- information anywhere. We looked all over CDC, every recommendation, and not one word on nutrition. Yeah, we've got about 20 reports here open in front of us from that many different sources trying to do the research uh, for this, and we've narrowed it down to a few sources. But I want to mention uh, a a text I just got this morning on the phone. Hmm. It says, I just listened to podcast 101 for the first time. I've always been a believer in the law of attraction, but to see it manifested in research and stories is incredible. You could change the world with that podcast. Incredible work. Tell Mary she's awesome for me. (laughs) That is a really good podcast. That's um, with Bruce Lipton and Anita Morjani, mm-hmm. and it is one of epigenetics, uh, epigenetics and, and how they're actually able to prove that your thoughts change the chemistry of in your, your body. body. Yes, yeah. so Braden, you made our day, especially Mary's. Yeah, that was really nice. Thanks, Braden. Before we begin this informative and forbidden podcast, we want to take a few minutes to talk about why we do not have sponsors. Yeah, we've been approached many times to sell different products on our show. But we've always been compelled to resist these financially tempting offers because the work we're doing here is just too important to be beholden to some brand names who could object or even try to gain editorial control over some of the forbidden things that we say. Yes. And others have mentioned that while the knowledge we share cannot be found anywhere else, it is often tied to products such as the whole food supplements from the oldest nutritional company in America, Standard Process, which we often reference during our shows. And this also would include our own ageless thyroid and long-life energy enzymes. Yeah, and so you might ask, could not our own products be creating conflicts of interest? I mean, have we mistakenly created an infomercial instead of free knowledge podcasts? No, no, no. We do this on purpose. Yes, we do. Years of experience in our clinics. And almost half a million downloads of our podcasts have taught us a few things. And the most important is that the type of nutrient-dense foods most of us need to get our bodies actually healing from years of malnutrition are not easily integrated in most of our lives. Yeah, the quest for excellence in nutrition has never been an easy endeavor. Yeah, no one wants to eat raw liver, (laughs) but absolutely no one is going to sign up to eat raw liver daily for six months if 
that's what it's going to take. Well, some people will. A patient of ours found she was told she had a f- only a few months to live and refusing that notion. She went home and threw some liver in a blender with a few spices and drank that every day for months. Yes. She lived very well for another 20 years. Yeah, I, I met her more than 20 years ago when we were both doing a radio show at the same station. But many people will not do that. Well, no. Yeah. No. So let us be clear. We reference one-of-a-kind whole food supplements from the nutrition company Standard Process because this is a way to realistically nourish ourselves with the whole food and organ meats we would never eat on a daily basis. And the reason we do our podcast this way is because it has saved our lives and countless others that we've worked with over the years. So we sell supplements and we try to give free knowledge away about how nutrition touches every aspect of our lives, and so necessarily these two overlap. But we want to be very clear here. Some of you may feel real hardship with even a modest monthly donation and cannot afford even a single month's supply of supplements. So please then, do not buy our supplements. Or even try to financially support our show in any way if you cannot afford to. This free information will still be yours forever. Yeah, of course. And, yeah, and we want you to take it and use it with our blessing. But if you like what we do at Forbidden Doctor, there are several ways you can still support us. Yeah, you, you can leave a positive comments or reviews on our website underneath the podcast or on iTunes or YouTube or like us on Facebook yeah. and follow us on Twitter or yeah. on Instagram. That type of support for us is free. It costs you nothing, and we would greatly appreciate it, and it would greatly help our mission. Yeah. So if, if you're ready to take your first steps for your own health, take our free symptom survey and let our nutrition specialists develop a personalized protocol for you, and then try some of these one-of-a-kind whole food supplements for yourself. Yeah, there's a link for this free survey on the very top red bar on every page of our website, ForbiddenDoctor.com. Now, if you already support our show, thank you. Yes. And please know that you are the very reason we fight this good fight. Your support makes this all possible. Mm -hmm. So now, on with the things they don't want you to know. Yes. Okay, so uh, let's just get rolling here. Uh, according to the CDC, about 795,000 Americans suffer a stroke every year. It's, it is uh, considered, depending on the source you look at, either the third or the fourth or the fifth, most common cause of death. It's a bad one. Yes, after heart attack and cancer. But <clears throat> for those who survive, it's the leading cause of uh, mental and physical impairment. And yeah, so- one of the bad things about a stroke is it doesn't kill you. So yeah, the bad news is you had a stroke. Yeah. The good news is you. The good news is you're disabled. No, no, I didn't say that right. The bad news <laughs> is you had a stroke. There is no good news. <laughs> the good news is you survived the stroke. The bad news is you survived the stroke. Yeah, yeah, that's maybe that's, that's right. how it goes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, it, the the problem is is because the survivors are often left with these uh, with with some degree of impartial paralysis. There's impairment of the speech. There's the drooping of the face. There's memory loss. There's other consequences. There's motor control disturbances. But and the body's amazing, and it can fix some of these things. Well, it can. It can. That's why we're doing it. I this. remember when I was a little girl talking to my mother, and I would say, when somebody, I remember saying to her, when somebody has a stroke, mom, then they're going to die really quickly after that. And she turned right to me and said, yep, that's exactly right. 
But that doesn't need to be. No. About one in every five people who survive the stroke will, will need institutional care within three months. Because it, it, unless they you address the reason the, for the, reason the stroke, for, yeah. it will get worse and it'll get worse, usually followed by other strokes. So it's you know it should be a priority to do everything that we can to prevent it, and that's what we want to talk about. These now, are the forbidden things you don't know. By definition, a stroke is just a sudden loss of nerve and brain function uh, by blood vessel damage, and, and most strokes, about four out of five, uh, are are what are known as ischemic. It means the blood vessel was blocked, often by a piece of plaque that was broken off upstream from an artery wall or some constriction from some intense spasm because there are things that can cause a um, uh, arterial spasm that cuts the blood off for a while and it, it, it to an area of the brain. So, and then the, there's the other kind of stroke. One's the ischemic, which is the blockage. The other's the hemorrhagic, which is the bleeder in which uh, there's leakage of blood um, from blood vessel into the brain tissue itself. Yeah, and those are dangerous. It's less, well, it is. It's those less common, but it's much more uh, fatal. Mm-hmm. Up to about 52% of those who had a hemorrhage, hemorrhagic strike, stri- <laughs> hemorrhagic stroke. That's strike for yes, strokes. Was, <laughs> <laughs> no more strokes. Yes, no more strokes. Yeah. Uh, they usually died. will die within a month. Yeah, 30 days, yep. Yeah. So either an area of the brain ends up getting deprived of blood, of course, which is bringing food and, and oxygen. Or has blood spewed into it where it doesn't belong. Uh, and, and the problem with the hemorrhagic when blood is spewing into the brain, uh, like if you, you know, if you had a bad bruise or you had a bad fall and you, you banged an area next to a bone and it starts getting red and it starts swelling because you've uh, destroyed blood vessels in the capillary beds, whatever else, and it can swell out in the brain. There's no room to swell. Yeah. And if pressure starts coming against um, life-supporting areas of the brain, then life isn't going to go on very long. So brain cells in the affected area can't function, either from a bleeder because they're not getting blood or from an ischemic one because they're not getting blood. Mm -hmm. And so the brain cells die. Yet if the blood flow is slowed down or, or not completely cut off, then some less sensitive brain cells, you know, can hold their breath for, in some research, up to three hours and not die of oxygen starvation, which is some, one reason why some people have a stroke in less sensitive areas of the brain can actually survive for some time. Now there's the TIA, and this is the one I see the most in our patients. Because they but, live through it. Yes, it's a transient ischemic attack. means it comes and it goes, it's, or they call it a mini-stroke, but technically it's not a stroke at all. It's just a temporary interruption of the blood flow, and it usually only lasts a few minutes. And because of that, brain tissue doesn't die, which is why you recover from them quickly, but brain function can be altered in a dysfunctional sense for a few moments because of the decrease in oxygen before the, the ischemic attack is over and blood flow is restored. Yeah. So you'll see you'll, you'll, people will start staring when you're talking to them. Suddenly they're staring off and they're not hearing what you're saying. Yeah, my dad had a few of those before he died, and he apparently fully recovered, but he was disoriented for, a, for I guess, just like an hour, which is weird. Yeah, you, it, that, yeah, but you usually do recover from it. Yeah, and he came back and all the things he couldn't remember. Because I, I remember this because he, he looked at a picture of all his kids and he couldn't remember who I was. <laughs> 
That was not cool. Well, but he well, came back and then he could remember. I've had so. I've had a patient who uh, a few years ago, but they went to the hospital. The, the wife took the husband to the hospital because she thought he was having a stroke. And they said, oh, it's just a TIA. Don't worry about it. He's okay. Well, he's okay in the sense that he'll probably recover from whatever right. symptom he was displaying. But it's not okay because about 30 to 40% of people who have an ischemic stroke had an earlier one yeah. that wasn't as obvious as symptomatic subclinical kind of thing. And why? Why did they have it? Well, That's what you've got to address. Okay, and we're going to get to that. And the fact is it's signaling that something is strong that there is an inclination maybe to have an actual stroke. And sometimes it's difficult to tell a TIA from a, from a mild stroke causing, you know, small problems that are, well, don't worry about that. You hardly know, you know, <laughs> but the accumulation of these effects can lead to dementia. The you un- know, it's just so funny the, where they sit around and just like cross their fingers. You know, they, they're just like, oh, don't worry exactly about it. You do. know, this happens when you're older, oh, yeah. you know, and just send them home because it. they can't diagnose it as one thing or another. Even if they do, they're like, ah, it's just because you're older, you get TIAs, you know? Well, you just mentioned there uh, what's causing it. Well, the underlying cause of a TIA and an actual stroke are exactly the same thing. So we're going to get to that here yep. shortly. I just want to, uh, I, I have to address aspirin. And then we'll get more into stroke. Oh, this aspirin. But I have to address it because I have so many people. This poison. Yeah. When they, you know, I ask them what kind of medication are you on. Usually if they're, if they're sick or debilitated to some degree, you know, what meds are you taking? Um, does that include aspirin? Uh, well, yeah, aspirin's a poison. There is one research report I was looking at. It's probably at least a decade old. But it talks about how 40 million pounds, and it may be 50 million by now, of aspirin, pounds of aspirin, are produced in this country every year with about 200 tablets for every man, woman, and child. Wow. 200. Now, salicin, um, which is part of the aspirin molecule, it's a, it's a natural substance produced from the white willow bark. And we learned that from the American Indian when mm-hmm. we came into this country 300 and some years ago. And the substance salicin um, has uh, analgesic effects, in other words, pain-interrupting, pain-killing, and it has anti-inflammatory in the sense that it slows down or impedes the inflammatory process. And the inflammatory process is just simply mast cells start releasing histamine. Histamine causes the swelling. It causes the dilation of the blood vessels so that fluid in the bloodstream can get into the local tissues and start to repair whatever happened, bee sting, laceration, banging your thumb with a hammer, whatever. And so, uh, but salicin that's in the white bark does not cause hemorrhaging. It doesn't cause bleeding. It doesn't cause the thinning of the blood. And so the estimates, uh, estimates that I've seen, something like 20 million people are taking aspirin every day for the prevention of a vascular accident, prevention of a TIA, prevention of a stroke. And the evidence upon which this decision to recommend aspirin simply is not very solid. Uh, I just want to briefly, uh, two or four, I think I've got four reports here, one from the British Medical Journal of 1974, one from the Lancet, uh, in uh, 1980, one, another one from the British Medical Journal of 1988, and they all talk about how using aspirin in large population studies have essentially had no benefit whatsoever. And then um, there, there's a study by U.S. physicians that came out using bufferin 
And there's a lot of people that will reach for their bufferin rather than their aspirin because it's easier on their stomach. But it showed no, no, um, no reduction in the fatal heart attacks and no improvement in the survival rate. But there was a 40% decrease in the number of non-fatal heart attacks. So, I, And I'm sounding a little choppy here. Let me repeat. Um, when they used aspirin mixed with bufferin, I mean, bufferin, which is aspirin mixed with uh, magnesium. Magnesium, yeah. There was a 40% decrease in the number of non-fatal heart attacks. It didn't help stop the fatal heart attack, but it did slow down the non-fatal heart attack. And they ignored the magnesium because it was only bufferin that had that result. Uh, So there was all this extensive uh, uh, promotion, explosion of using um, aspirin for heart for the prevention of heart attacks. Yeah, because they, you know, we know that magnesium is a good pre- prevention of arrhythmias, and um, it helps the prevention of platelets clumping. And, but they didn't take any of that into consideration. No, they just said it's aspirin, and so That's the it. aspirin manufacturers went crazy, and then they started making real low dose. In fact, you can get low dose aspirin almost anywhere. That's under, I think it's like 70 to 80, 85 milligrams in a little tiny tablet. I think if I remember right, the average dose of aspirin is like 325 milligrams. Hmm. But you can get an eighth of that dose. And that's what doctors are telling their patients, take these. But the studies say it's a waste of time. And they don't just say it's a waste of time. They're saying that there's... um, serious side effects that can take place in time because of this, because aspirin's a poison. Yeah, one day... And it's not, as you were saying, we were talking off air a minute ago about how it's not made from willow bark. Oh, it's not anymore. No, aspirin isn't made from willow bark. We made aspirin in organic chemistry in college. Mm -hmm. You just take oil of wintergreen. The actual oil of wintergreen, that oil that is used in breath mints for wintergreen-flavored breath mints, and there's a little thing you can do, I'm not going to say what it is on the air, but there's a little, a very small thing you can do to that and turn it into acetylsalicylic acid, which is what aspirin is. Now, salicin is the root of acetylsalicylic acid, mm-hmm. but it's man-made and that's why it's poisonous. When it came from the willow bark, salicin, it's not poisonous because it doesn't inhibit um, clotting. Yeah, and this kills me. I was on Facebook the other day and talking with my high school people and one friend, a woman, her husband had just had a heart attack. Another friend got on Facebook and said, oh, my husband has had five stints and 18, no, five bypasses and 18 stints. And she said, the medicine didn't work for him. And I, you know, I normally have to hold my hands down. You know, I just have to sit oh, on my I, fingers, I know, I know. I so I don't it. say anything. But I had <laughs> I to this time. It. I'm like, go <clears throat> listen to. I, I put the link in and everything. And this, I usually don't do this, especially with my high school friends. I'm not trying to change them or anything. But I said, go listen to podcast 103, Forbidden Ways to Save Your Heart, because I said. Medicine is not a nu- nutrient. It's, it isn't. There's, it isn't? Medicine will not heal. That's My what I li- said. I said medicine will not heal. Lisinopril is not a <laughs> nutrient? <laughs> it's like, you know, it, Beta it just, blockers? It blows my mind that we, we truly think that, oh, the medicine didn't work for me. How would medicine work for somebody if, if they're thinking this will heal 
my husband, so he won't have to have another stent well, and another they, bypass. That's because we have greatly enlarged the definition of heal. We've enlarged the definition of heal to anything that looks better than it did before. A symptom gone? A symptom that, gone. That's a heal. That's healing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he doesn't need any more bypasses, but he keeps needing them. So the medicine but didn't work for him. But he keeps the lifestyle that, yeah. that created the bypasses. And probably got on a ton more medicine and a statin and everything then, else. Then he dies of a massive MI, and then they say, well, the medicine didn't work it anymore. It just didn't work. There was nothing else they could See, do. that's part that's... of the programming. That's part of the programming uh, of the entire pharmaceutical uh, Industrial I, complex. I had to do it. I know her husband. He's a wonderful man. He's a pilot. He's just an incredible guy. And I was like, I yeah. have to say something. You have to have some nutrition. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about aspirin for you know another five, ten minutes here. And then we'll talk about what to do to prevent what yeah. has been shown to prevent. Not a baby prevent. aspirin. Not a yeah. baby aspirin. We had a, our receptionist come in, not our building receptionist come in one day, and her eyes were all like bloodshot, you know, great big bloody things in her eyes and I said have you been taking aspirin she goes oh yes I take baby aspirin every, every day, day. Yeah. and I said you know that causes strokes in the back of the brain and these blood vessels to burst in your eyes and she was just blown away nobody so, ever told her that no I brought her out the research paper and Jay. everything and she stopped taking her baby aspirin All right. I said you gotta you gotta fix other things though too you can't just stop that baby aspirin you need to replace it with good nutrition and that's what we did. We took care of her. And as far as I know, she's never had anything else. Well, natural salicylic acid uh, can provide very wonderful health benefits. Uh, there's no issue about that. But, uh, but not acetyl salicylic the acid. synthetic, yeah. The synthetic stuff. So the aspirin in this study I was looking at, the aspirin did decrease the uh, new non-fatal attacks in this subgroup of males who had normal blood pressure. You know, those with um, elevated blood pressure also had the increased risk of uh, serious brain bleeds. And there, there was no decrease in the death rate in these males, and no decrease in strokes was found in the aspirin-taking males. And these males did have an increased risk of hemorrhagic stroke, which, of course, can be a disastrous occurrence. Mm -hmm. So recently, um, yeah, and by recently, I mean this is like 10 years ago or so, there, uh, they found this increased risk of pancreatic cancer that had been uncovered in this long-term study of 88,000 female nurses. And so these nurses were taking two aspirin a day for 20 years. Ooh, not baby aspirin, just aspirin, aspirin? I don't know, but I suspect it could be as little as a baby aspirin. 20 of them, a, 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 two yeah, aspirin a day for 20 years. They had a 58% increase in pancreatic cancer compared Whoa. to those who were taking no aspirin. And I meant to, re I just remembered too that the receptionist I was talking about said she had upped her baby aspirin, thinking uh -huh. more is better. And, and that I had forgotten that, that she had told me a couple sure. of days before you, she just had think, upped it. Just think about it. You're, you're taking a baby aspirin a day. Uh, because you're trying to prevent a stroke and someone very close to you was taking a baby aspirin a day and got a stroke and died. Uh-oh, I better take two. Oh, I never even thought of thinking that way. Yeah. That's horrible. I, that's right. I, that's, that's kind of the way people... Maybe somebody in her Men family. think that way because I'm a man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm part of the club. That just blows my mind. So uh, I want to get back to this pancreatic cancer thing because yeah. pancreatic cancer has been steadily increasing in frequency to where it is now the fifth leading cause of cancer death. Mm. 
And the survival rate of cancer is less than 5% over the five years after oh, it's for diagnosed. Sure. Oh, for sure. And most, most die within 12 to 16 yeah. weeks. Mm-hmm. So um, regular uh, use of aspirin's also been um, linked to an increase in the leading cause of blindness and leading up to macular degeneration. Ooh. There's also a 44% increase in the most common form of um, cataract cataract problems in people who have taken aspirin for 10 years or more. Mm. You know, and I could, I, I could go on and on here. Oh, that, please, go on. Well, what else? Uh, another important point from the study was that the use of aspirin and other NSAIDs, you know, the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs are a major cause of acid reflux into the esophagus, Ugh. which produces heartburn, chest pain, uh, ulceration of the esophagus, and eventually cancer. You know, it gets to Barrett's esophagus, and then eventually cancer can begin to show up in this irritated esophagus. And people with acid reflux often end up developing asthma. Ooh. Yeah, and aspirin, well, well there's oh, a very yeah. strong connection between the use of aspirin and um, asthma attacks, with the current estimates that about 20% of asthma attacks are caused by the regular use of aspirin. And so they end up having nasal and upper airway congestion within, you know, I don't know, 30 to three hours, 30 minutes to three hours after taking the aspirin. So, I mean, when you're looking at numbers like that, I mean, 50% of those with aspirin-induced asthma end up having a very severe form and then end up having to take cortisone. Mm-hmm. And the, the um, some of the ongoing uh, medical research at the Tel Aviv Medical Center had recently discovered that taking 75 up to 325 milligrams of aspirin a day would lead to the deterioration of kidney function. And 75 Ooh. is the baby aspirin. Baby aspirin mm-hmm. is around 75 to 85. Just taking one of those a day, just one of those a day, uh, can lead to, to kidney function, uh, dysfunction in 72% of the elderly patients that they were examining. And three weeks after stopping aspirin, um, on, uh, w- once the, once the uh, prostaglandin effect had been brought under control, um, might, might explain those results. Because that's one of the mechanisms of action of aspirin is the uh, suppression of prostaglandin that causes inflammation. Mm. And if you are in a constant state of inflammation, you can't get repair. And normal organ use, normal organ um, function can often lead well, there's cellular turnover from the normal use of the organ. And if the organ is an area where constant inflammation is taking place, you're going to have organ dysfunction, whether it's the liver or the kidney. And the liver and the kidney are the two things that usually suffer the most from aspirin. But let me, let me wrap this up here pretty quick. Um, a lot of anemias are due to the, to the regular use of aspirin. Uh, ringing in the ears here now, that, and that's another thing. Almost every, <laughs> I keep hearing almost, ringing. That. <laughs> oh, almost, um, almost every time someone asks me about their tinnitus uh-huh. or tinnitus, depending on who you've been talking to, ringing in the ears or some hearing loss, I always ask them, "Do you take daily aspirin?" Yeah, the daily aspirin. Not everyone, but the overwhelming majority of them. Oh yeah, I take a daily aspirin. Why? Uh, well, you know. Well, you're supposed to. 
you're well, supposed no, to. you're not. Yeah, it's getting older. Time to do it. We we just found out Doug Steffen was taking an asp- yeah. daily aspirin a day. You know, we should ask everybody that comes in the clinic, are you taking a daily aspirin? Because that's a great idea. It's way more. More people are taking it than not now, and it's shocking. Yeah. So, uh, it's like so a this lady, passage or this something. lady, uh, the other day, she says, "You know, I you came to you for migraines, neck pain, and this naggy knee problem. They're all gone, but I still have ringing in my ears." And I, and I said, "Wait a second, wait a second. So I go over to the computer and I look up her records. There, she never told me about ringing in the ears before we started taking care of her. I said, "Well, you didn't tell me about that. Uh, did you cause it? Well, I, I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure if you could help." Are you taking an aspirin a day? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Well, wow. stop the aspirin. Let's see what happens. You have to pull out this study. And then lastly, before we get into the answer to strokes here, uh, aspirin's poison. Yeah. Now, uh, the average aspirin pill is 325 milligrams. Um, if so, Most people, if they don't, they don't take one, they'll take two or three. There was a time when I was taking seven to eight of them when I had a headache. I mean a bad headache. And uh, that's before I got my first upper cervical nuca correction Mm -hmm. to my neck. And that's over 30 years ago. I haven't had 30 headaches in the last 30 years, but I was getting about two of them a day, uh, two of them a week. And they they flared up after football in high school. So it went, you know, went on for a decade and a half. And... um, I would probably, t- if I was taking seven, I was probably getting pretty close to two grams. Wow. At least two grams of aspirin at a time. And this study is showing that 10 to 30 grams can be fatal. Wow. Now, I was doing that but a couple times all a week. At once. What if I was doing that every day? Ooh. And then I drop dead and they take a look at me. Well, we don't know why he died. Wow. No one's going to go look in the medicine cabinet to see how many aspirin I was taking a day. So that's what the study showed. 10 to 30 grams. Now, that's grams. That's not milligrams. That's grams. That's a lot. A gram is 1,000 milligrams. Mm -hmm. It takes three regular aspirins to equal one gram. So it would take at least 30 aspirin, anywhere from uh, 30 up to 90 aspirin at once to be fatal. Wow. But it could do so. So uh, one other thing I want to mention here, people people in France have some of the lowest cardiovascular problems on the uh, on the planet as far as western nations are concerned and they eat these very rich fatty meals mm-hmm. and but their red wine and their white wine both have salicylic acid that was present in the grape skin oh so, so red a real wine nutrient. all wine is white red wine still has parts of the skin is that what makes it red? That's what makes it red, is that there's parts of the skin of the grape that's in the red wine. Otherwise, it's white. But both of them have salicylic acid in them. And so they're, uh, the incidence of, of cardiovascular disease in people who are eating the Mediterranean diet, uh, of course, have 30% lower uh, incidence of heart, heart problems. And so uh, the word on the street, the word in research is simply, you know, they probably have less inflammatory processes going on. People who are on the Mediterranean diet have uh, lower C-reactive protein levels. And if you want to increase your C-reactive protein levels, take a bunch of aspirin. 
because it will induce inflammation. Mm. So I'm not here uh, as a proponent of the Mediterranean diet, but as diets go, it's it's a pretty good one if you're going to follow a diet. However, we wanted to say all this stuff because of uh, aspirin. So what's the bottom line? Well, the bottom line is the negatives of aspirin far outweigh its positive effects. And the, the, anti, um, the anti-inflammatory properties uh, of aspirin are equaled, if not even better, in an enzyme called bromelain that you find in pineapple. Food, food being used. <clears throat> food being used for something like this. So uh, we talked about what a stroke is in the sense of ischemic or hemorrhagic. We talked about a, the uh, transient ischemic attack. I wanted to bring up uh, the idea of the aspirin because we want to talk about prevention. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I have, before we go too deep into that, I have a little article here in front of me from the Harvard Magazine. The Harvard Magazine is published by Harvard, <laughs> and it comes out every two months. And this is the Harvard Magazine, October 2000, or September, October um, 2012. And there's an article in there called Curbing Clots, C-L-O-T-S. Mm-hmm. So in this article uh, by, in the Harvard Magazine, uh, Curbing Clots, I, I want to quote just a little bit of it. Very little, but just a little. Because this knocked my socks off. And this came out six years ago. The old adage, an apple a day keeps the doctor away, now has science to back it up. Harvard researchers have found that rutin, R-U-T-I-N, a substance contained in that uh, fruit of um, buckwheat, mind you. Well, you said an apple. Oh, excuse me, in the apple, as well as in onions, buckwheat, and tea has potent anti-clotting powers that could help prevent heart attack and stroke. Researchers discovered rutin's anti-thrombotic, in other words, uh, anti-clot forming um, properties, um, excuse me, when they screened a set of 5,000 compounds for their ability to block the action of a key protein involved in the formation of vessel uh, clogging blood clots. When rutin rose to the top of the list, it was very surprising, and we still don't understand exactly why it is so potent, says Associate Professor of Medicine Robert Flumenhoff, the study's senior author. And what's more, rutin could be effective at preventing both the arterial clots that cause heart attacks and strokes and the venous clots that cause deep vein thrombosis and pulmonary embolism even though the two types form by somewhat different mechanisms. Existing anti-clotting drugs, aspirin, Plavix, Coumadin, Warfarin, target one clotting mechanism or the other. Indeed, scientists had tried to design a clot-preventing molecule. They could scarcely have created one more perfect than rutin. Then the article goes on to talk about how it works and, and what's the chemistry behind it. And we have, Mary and I have for a long time, trying to carry on to the limited degree that we can, the doc, the work of Dr. Royal Lee, who discovered over 50 years ago mm-hmm. the anti-clotting effect of rutin. And now as of 2012, Harvard comes out and says, if one was trying to create a molecule 
that was better than anything than else Mother in Nature. preventing a clot, <laughs> one could hardly have improved over rutin. Yeah, and that's and the reason Harvard. Excuse me. Yeah. Harvard well, Med School. That that is what you want to have good, strong collagenous fibers. I mean, there's two things to circulation. You want to strengthen the blood vessels around the blood, and then you want to clean it out inside so it's like silk. And so, rutin, which is 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 one of those nutrients that protein winds itself around to make good, strong collagenous fibers, is present in our product called Cyruta Plus. Yes. It is, is, we call it vitamin C on steroids. So if you go to our website and you go underneath protocols and you just type stroke, there's two different protocols that will show up. Um, One is for recovery. This one is stroke recovery from, recovery from a stroke. And then the other one, let me just pull it up here. I think it's like the title of this podcast. Yeah, except for it's not coming. Oh, you have to spell it right. It's so picky. (laughs) S-T-R-O-R. Okay, one is called stroke dissolving blood clots. The other is stroke recovery from. Yes. So So one is to help avoid it. The other is what to do if you get it. If you're in the middle of one. Now, I want to mention here. You get to the hospital first of all. Well, yes. Yes. Even if you suspect, even if you suspect in the least that something like this is going on because brain tissue is so incredibly vital. This is no longer a nutritional problem. This is no longer call your mother and see what she says to do problem. Mm -hmm. This is get thee hence to an ER ASAP because they have drugs and they have emergency procedures now. Dissolve that stroke. They can dissolve it before it gets too ingrained, before it becomes too hard. Now, you were talking a minute ago about Rutin, Cyruta Plus. So, what are arteries made of? Well, the arteries are made from two proteins. One's called elastin, and the other one's called collagen, which is where the collagenous concept comes from. Mm-hmm. And both elastin and collagen um, depend on certain amino acids so that they remain really flexible, mm-hmm. like almost like overcooked spaghetti noodles as opposed to a raw, uncooked spaghetti noodle, which we call arteriosclerosis, the hardening of the artery. We want them soft and flexible. And so that's what those collagenous, tight collagenous fibers that you're talking about do, coming from elastin and coming from collagen. Mm-hmm. And there are about 22 amino acids in the body, nine of which are absolutely essential. They must come in through the diet. You have to eat them. Right. So I know everybody who's listening right now, you sit there and you think about, you know, before you get out of bed in the morning, where am I going to go? Where am I going to pick up this one? Where am I going to get that one? Yeah, I need the one with sulfur in it. And I no, you don't. <laughs> You reach for your proto-food. Proto-food has the eight or nine essential amino acids, depending on In what... In raw form. Yeah. What school you went to, um, they... You know, the, the guy that wrote the clinical guide for Standard Process said, if I could only oh, yeah. save one supplement from Standard Process, and they have over 300 supplements, that's not counting the um, Mediherb... He said, I would save protofood. That's the one, it's the building blocks of everything, and you have to get it from your diet. So you either eat a whole lot of bone broth 
you know, all the time. A lot of raw meat, or a lot of raw beef. Yep, you eat it or you take it. So you, if you can get it in your diet, that's wonderful. Might even be cheaper. But protofood is just one a day. Yeah. Or you know, if you if you're really trying to prevent something, or if you, it's in our wrinkles, our chicken neck protocol too. It also helps rebuild. I found when I take more protofood and more Cyruta Plus that my neck looks better. And that's the chicken neck protocol. Yeah. It's in the chicken neck. But what it's doing is collagen, you know, is the big buzzword out there now. Take more collagen. You know, it's just basically meat. You got to get that, those amino well, acids, that let's broken talk down a, protein. Let's take a second and talk about how silly it is to be taking uh, collagen in that sense because your body is going to. There's one advantage. If you're taking animal-based collagen, and collagen only comes from an animal. Mm-hmm. That was kind of silly, wasn't it? Yeah, and they'll say vegan capsule. Yeah, it's, in a vegan it's in, capsule. It's in a vegan capsule. Yeah. It just kills me. <laughs> um, your body will break these things down, dissolve them, release the amino acids, and then your body has the amino acids it needs to build collagen. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people mistakenly think that um, the saggy skin that's given way to gravity, the wrinkles, the... Uh, uh, other things that fall air to gravity. If I just get more collagen in me, then things will tighten up. If you feed the collagen producing mechanism in your body with what it needs in essential amino acids, yes. And whole food vitamin C, yes, it will rebuild collagen and tighten you up. But taking collagen, it's, go- it's not going to be collagen once it gets out of your stomach. Yeah, broken down. It's going to be broken down acids. into uh, smaller proteins and amino acids. And, you know, your body was going to have to try to do something with that. So. Yeah, um, you can if you want to put, you know, in our Mary's milkshake, we do have whey protein complete. Which, which is, is a very good source of raw amino acids. Yeah. The, the uh, white. The egg white has all the amino acids your body requires right, in a I'm, raw egg. And so our whey pro complete also has colostrum in it. Yes. So... You which know. which is an instructive chemical for your immune system. It's an all-around incredible product, yes. and it's it's one of the ingredients we recommend. Of, of course, the raw egg shakes, but in we recommend some powders: Cyrus Food, Calza Food, and Whey Pro Complete. Yes. So dump that into your little milkshake so in the morning. So let's highlight these two protocols at ForbiddenDoctor.com. How they can see them, how they can get to them. They're in order of importance. The first one is Cyruta Plus, and we recommend to chew 12 to 24 a day. I mean, if you're thre- That's if you've had one. If you're threatening stroke, if you've had a stroke, if you know, you're just trying to get rid of wrinkles, then you can do that. But um, I take a lot of Cyruta Plus. It's, it's got the most rootin' of any supplement. I chew up about... Three to six a day, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, it rebuilds everything in your body. and But, you know, concerning strokes, this is just really critical. So 12 to 24 a day of those, three to four protofood a day, and then we recommend the evening primrose oil, which will clean out your arteries as if they're s- silk. And you had a cardiologist say that was in a very roundabout way. He wouldn't yeah, say it. I won't say his name, but it begins with an F. And one of his nurses uh, couldn't get to me fast enough after he had a little uh, lunch meeting with his nurses and his staff. And she came to me and she says, you know what he said to me? Well, no, I wasn't there. What did he say to you? 
Well, we were talking about atherosclerosis, you know, the, the placking inside mm-hmm. of, a, of an artery. That can break and off and cause a stroke. It can break, that's what we started off talking about mm-hmm. that. You're correct. Mm-hmm. And he told his nursing staff, there's only one thing he knows that can actually dissolve the, the buildup of placking in an arterial wall, mm-hmm. and it's evening primrose oil. And I said, well, what else did he say? Well, he didn't say anything else. He just said that and went on with the rest of his discussion. I said, well, can I talk about it on the radio? No. This is a few years ago when I was doing a daily radio show. He said, no, 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 don't you dare. Well, you just talked about it on the national but show, did, yes, the but, Doug Seven show. Yes, I did, for, to radio 4 million American. people. <laughs> but I didn't mention his name. I know. Well, you still didn't. Now, but once, th- those three things, Cyrutoplast, Protofood. retired. <laughs> oh. Cyrutoplast, protofood, and evening primrose oil. Those are really critical. Then we also threw in Cataplex AC for the vitamin A and the vitamin C. Because you cannot build uh, structures without, especially um, blood vessel structures, skin, things like this, without vitamin A. Yeah, it's really critical, and that's part of the wall. And of then the-, the C is wrapped up with the protofood to create the elastin and collagen mm-hmm. fibers inside the artery. And then if you've had a stroke, we threw in Neuroplex. Um, just food for the brain, and ginkgo forte, another herb, really strong herb for the brain. And what's the ginkgo forte story from Hiroshima? The tree, the ginkgo tree that was still standing. The only tree that Mm -hmm. was still standing and alive. And alive, it kept growing. After the Hiroshima explosion. really helps to build The rest of them burned to a crisp. The ginkgo tree was there after the dust cleared. Yeah, it's a great, great herb. So So does that mean you'll be there after the dust clears from a nuclear explosion? (laughs) Well, of course that's what it means. Your brain will be. Of course that's what it means. So those top three are really important. Um, In the other protocol we have on our website for recovery or for dissolving blood clots. We've got some different herbs, some pretty strong herbs in there and some other things to help dissolve the blood clots. But those are found on our website, ForbiddenDoctor.com and you can also go through the, the symptom survey and you'll get a personalized protocol. Yes. But in, you know, in the instance of right after a stroke, don't even wait for a protocol. Just get in there, search for stroke underneath protocols and just start taking at least this top three. So we got a little bit left over here from before we finish from the CDC. Do you want to even, I think... We, just a couple stats. Strokes kill almost 130,000 Americans each year. Yeah, 925,000 have a stroke. Mm-hmm. About one in eight actually die from it. Yeah, that's one out of every 20 deaths. Right, at the time they get the stroke. One in eight people who have a stroke will not survive it. On average, one American dies from stroke every four minutes. Every year, more than 795 people in the United States, you just said that, have it. 795,000 people in the United States have a stroke. About 610,000. 1,000 of these are first or new strokes. About 180,000 strokes, nearly one in four, are people who have had a previous stroke. Mm. Ooh, there's my old scary thing from my youth. And almost about 87% of all strokes are ischemic strokes where blood flow to the brain is blocked. Right. So those are the ones you want to use the evening primrose oil on. Um Strokes cost the United States an estimated $34 billion a year. $34 billion? $34 billion. Um, Which see. was probably Medicare costs as well as everything else yeah. it costs. And stroke is the leading cause of serious long-term disability. 
So yes. that's that's the hard thing. If you can't talk anymore, how miserable would you that be? You can't walk. You can't walk. Maybe you're blind. I mean, this is Dementia. not anything to fool around with. No, and this is... And the only thing the medical people will tell you is, you know, it's just a cause when you get older. It, it just happens when you get older, and there's nothing you can do, and hopefully... The, you know, doesn't run in your family. That's the thing they always oh, talk yes. about. That's so hilarious. Yeah, we have a genetic tendency <sighs> in our family for death because by the time everybody in our family reaches 100, they die. <laughs> so we know it's in our genes. Yeah, it's really sad that they don't talk about any type of prevention or recovery, rebuilding. You know, that comment rebuilding. may have been called for. I, I apologize. You apologize? This is, this is serious stuff. You yeah, know? I, I take care of patients with strokes. Some of them... You know, you can hardly tell they've had it. Others, you can tell they had it. And others, well, you there's have not to, much you can do. You have to fix the reason for having the first one yes. you have. And that is at least those top three. I would recommend some other things, you know, some other herbs and that type of thing. And that would be a reason to go on our website and take the symptom survey. Yes. Where you can it's give. It's free. It's free. And you get also a three free 30-minute phone consult with that. And we can recommend the products that you might need unless you know you're going to go very very foundational and do gaps and heal your gut and eat mostly animal foods meat eggs fish and dairy yeah. and spices yep yeah the easiest to digest foods there are so that should wrap it up mm-hmm. and just don't forget to tell everybody about the forbidden doctor we're also on YouTube. Yep. I think you have to go to Dr. Jack Stockwell. I don't think you can. Can you search? I could do that right now here with this computer. Can you search uh, YouTube for, for forbidden. the Forbidden Doctor? Or does it have to be? There's YouTube right there. And then I am going to go right here and do F-O-R-B-I-D-D-E-N. Doctor. Yep, you can search Forbidden Doctor. Oh, geez, there's stuff here that you may not want to see. <laughs> Is this see, when we named our thing the Forbidden Doctor, oh, oh dear, we didn't realize there, yeah, we, we was a connotation to it. We we had a clean mind. We had a clean mind, but yeah, there's there's can be some bad things with yeah. That. So do do Doctor uh, Dr. Jack Stockwell, Dr. Jack Stockwell at YouTube. And All you, one word. Yes. Okay. Dr. Jack Stockwell, then you can. And there's a, my goodness, there's 60, 70 podcasts, and we're adding all the time. Yeah, we're trying to get the podcast num- from number one up to 70, right? Mm-hmm. And then we're going to add the rest. All right. That should do it. Okay. We'll see you next time. We certainly will. Thank you for listening to the Forbidden Doctor podcast. If you are curious about long-life energy enzymes or ageless thyroid, you can purchase them without a membership from our website at ForbiddenDoctor.com or get our enzyme formula from Amazon.com by searching the full term, Long Life Energy Enzymes. Don't forget to take our obligation-free symptom survey to get a free personalized supplement protocol recommended for you by Dr. Jack, Mary, or one of our qualified nutritionists. Take the survey... Get a call from our nutritionist to create a protocol and a patient login. Then use that login to see your own personal protocol along with any favorites you've saved from our symptom library. Remember, our website and our clinic are here for you always. Always.